0: Father, uh, there is so much going on in the world right now that, we, um, that that is heavy on our minds and on our hearts. But Lord, our spirit needs communion and fellowship with you more than anything. Lord, you are the only thing that will truly transform and, uh, this world and, and give value to each and every person. You are the Savior, you are the Messiah. Jesus you are everything and, and we want to right now pause everything that we could be doing to change the world or to to make a difference and we want to stop and sit at your feet. We want to confess that we are incapable to do anything in our own flesh by our own strength and our own ability and Jesus we want to seek your spiritual power, your instruction, your wisdom, and your grace to do everything that you would have done in this world. Lord, I pray that we would be the most loving, patient, kind um, people that anyone's ever met. We, we desire that. Uh, we desire to be simply a reflection of you. Um, Lord, we, we need your strength and we need your mercy. We need your forgiveness. Uh, there's so many ways that our minds don't think right and our hearts don't feel right and our emotions don't um, operate properly. But Lord, your spirit is never wrong and you have given us a wonderful gift of your Holy Spirit and we, we want to live by that spirit. We want to trust that spirit and, and, uh, and we want to look to that spirit to be our guide and our power in everything. So Jesus, we pray all this in your name, and, and by your strength and power, we ask that you would transform everything uh, about our lives, and we thank you for hearing our prayers. Help us to be generous and kind and gentle and patient with all the people in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so we are in Mark chapter 10, and this uh, sermon is called, The Ox, A Lesson. On serving, and so this really gets to the heart of the book of Mark. And as you have seen, uh, we have had this this little ox guy right there. Uh, he has been kind of the logo that we have adopted for uh, the book of Mark. This is our our uh, kind of image that we've used for the entire book of Mark, and that's because I I knew that that this was a constant theme throughout the book, and we're going to get into that today we're really going to dig into what why he is an ox um so mark chapter chapters 9 through 10 which is the section that we're in right now is kind of like a school of discipleship uh for anyone who wants to attend if you want to be a disciple of jesus this is this is three chapters that you really need to know And, uh, and so I'm just going to kind of briefly review all the things that he's taught and gone through. Uh, Um, first he, he had his transformation and that's when he was teaching his disciples, uh, how important he is and how central he is, that he is God and, and he is glorious and they, um, they, they don't have to look or look to any, anyone else or anything else. He is everything that we need, um. We saw the next thing he taught them was the source of spiritual power. If they wanted to serve him um, and and be spiritually powerful, that they needed to pray, be connected with him, and fast to get disconnected with the world. And that was that lesson. And then we, uh, he taught us the path to greatness in the kingdom of God. Uh, that obeying God, serving other people... Uh, understanding the uh, heaven and hell and those things was a path that we could go on with him, uh, the path that we would walk with him on uh, how to become great in his kingdom. And then he taught us how marriage works, first in chapter 10, and then second in chapter 10, he talked about children. And then last week, we studied about possessions. And those three topics were vital uh, topics of discipleship because Marriage is where people mess up a lot. Raising children, people mess up a lot. And possessions really mess up our lives sometimes. Um, And so Jesus kind of gave us clarity. And now in this part of the chapter, um, verses 32 through 45, uh, we are going to see Jesus is going to teach us about serving God. Not so much serving other people now. Uh, This is about directly serving God. So uh, the first thing we're going to look at before we get into our text is I'm going to read a couple different texts, one from Ezekiel and one from Revelation chapter four. But Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 10, Ezekiel's getting this mind-blowing image of the angels around the throne of God. and it says, "And as for their likeness of their faces, each of these angels had the face of a man, and each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side, and each of the four, had the face of an ox on the left side, and each of the four had the face of an eagle. So we see from Ezekiel's perspective, he could see all four sides of these angels, and they had each of the angels had one of these four faces, the lion, the ox, a man, and the eagle. If you go to the book of Revelation, uh, written a couple, uh, about a thousand years later, uh, you have John, and he has a different perspective, but look, he sees the same things. In John in Revelation 4 7, the first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature was like a calf or an ox, the third living creature had the face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. So in his perspective, he saw all the living creatures as different, or maybe he couldn't see all the others. And I thought about how maybe this happened, and I thought maybe Ezekiel was kind of like outside the four living creatures and uh and so he could kind of see around them and he could see that each one had these four faces on different sides he said but maybe john was right in the middle and if john was right in the middle if you looked here and you looked there and there and back there you would only be able to see one of the faces and so that's why i think maybe there's just a difference in perspective uh on these two situations well why am i bringing these up because these angels, by the way that they look and their faces, they all represent a different attribute of Jesus himself, a different way that Jesus is expressed or um, the way that he uh, can be worshipped. Um, so uh, the the lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle represent four different things. The lion represents a king. You know, he's the king of the jungle and and uh, so Jesus is definitely a king, and he's presented as a king. Uh, an ox is a servant, an animal that, that ha- doesn't, um, well, he's just a servant. He's very good at getting the job done that he is tasked t- to do. Uh, and then a man, Jesus became a man. Uh, that is certainly a part of his attribute that needs to be understood. And then finally, an eagle. Uh, is a symbol of divine it can eagles can fly and soar and they're glorious and and that's a, a picture of God himself Jesus is God so Jesus is the king of the Jews he's a king period uh, he's a servant he's a man and he's God and it just so happens that the four gospels that we have each take one of those images and uh, for their, Uh, the the entire book it presents Jesus mainly as that uh, character Uh, so in the book of Matthew Jesus is seen as the king of the Jews and we will study Matthew another time but through the whole book you can see his kingliness uh, emphasized in that book our book is is mark that we're studying and it shows Jesus As an ox or as the servant he uh, has received a messiah job and he is going to serve god in that job and that's what we're going to be talking about today Uh, briefly luke presents jesus as man he's called the son of man many times in the book of luke and it shows his humanity luke was a doctor and he's always talking about physical things that that jesus was doing and actually a man and the book of john shows that jesus was god or the eagle, you could say. And so, as we go on to study each one of those, I'm going to put one of those animals as the kind of the character uh, in our logo when we're when we're studying those. And the, I just like that because I'm kind of artistic in that way. So this book shows that Jesus is the ox, the servant Messiah. Uh, and what that means is that there was a job to do. And we've looked at this before, but in Isaiah chapter 11, the first five verses of it, it gives the job of the Messiah, the job description. He's he's going to heal people. He's going to deliver people. He's going to, um, you know, save people. And all of that, go. it was the job description, and Jesus was here serving God by accomplishing these certain tasks, and mainly by saving Men by healing them, by setting them free, by doing everything that we needed him to do to be our Savior, like an ox is getting the job done. And uh, it will culminate in him giving his life for them. And it's, it's very interesting that in the Old Testament, oxes were many times sacrificed. Their blood was, it was given uh, to forgive sins. So Jesus knows how to serve God better than anybody. Anymore, He is a perfect servant. And he's going to teach us today uh, how we can serve God today, how we can partner with him, how we can also become a servant of God. And you are not going to like it. You're not going to like it. Well, let me rephrase that. Your flesh is not going to like it because it's going to go against everything we naturally think and in everything we naturally are, serving God is the opposite of what we normally think. And the way that our flesh wants to live in this deep-seated desire to be something great, serving God takes an ax and just chops down that tree and there is no way that we can uh, continue to think the same way about serving God. So are you ready? to have Jesus blow your mind yet again on another topic like he has with marriage and and children and um, and possessions Uh, uh, right now I think that Jesus is going to blow our mind so um, let's get started chapter 10 verse 32 now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was going before them and they were amazed and they followed and were afraid so Right here, why are his disciples amazed and afraid? He uses two words in the Greek that are very powerful and they stress how uh, amazed and how afraid uh, these guys were. And basically, it is blowing their minds that Jesus is marching straight towards his enemies and his sure and certain death. You see, what's been going on is that The Pharisees have basically promised Jesus that the next time they see him, they're going to destroy him. So going to Jerusalem was a bad idea according to the flesh. And right now, that's all the disciples have. They they are living by the flesh. They're using their mind, their will, and their emotions to make decisions. And that is not the Holy Spirit, and that's not how Jesus is making decisions Uh, So right now, they think it's a bad idea. And if you want to be safe, it is a bad idea. And so one thing we see right off the bat is that serving God is not safe. And if safety is our idol, if we worship safety and we only want to be safe, then serving God is not for you. uh, Because it is not safe. The Jewish leaders, like I said, they have promised to kill Jesus. Everyone knows it. The threat's been made. The lines have been drawn in the sand, but Jesus doesn't care. Jesus doesn't care because Jesus does care about dying. He cares about two things. Jesus doesn't care about their threats because he cares about two things. The first thing is he cares about us. He knows what we need and he knows he is going to give what we need and what we need is his life sacrificed and slaughtered on the cross to pay for our sins. He cares about us. And so even though caring about us will mean his own death, he is super willing to do that. The second thing he cares about is Jesus cares about his father and the will of his father. His father's will is going to be accomplished even though it will mean his own death. So yes, both uh, things he cares about will drive him to the cross. And But it means he doesn't care about their threats. This is what we could call reckless love. It's not reckless in the sense of being thoughtless. It's reckless in the sense that he does not care about his own safety or his own will. He um, is freaking out his disciples with this kind of reckless obedience to God and reckless determination to do what he believes is the right thing even though it may cost him everything. Does it freak you out? Are you amazed and scared? What will it cost you to serve God? Serving God is not for the faint of heart and serving God does require bravery. When Joshua was about to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, God many times said, Joshua, be courageous and do not lose heart. Be courageous. Do not fear. And I think Jesus who is the, the, the one that Joshua um, illustrated, Jesus shows us what courage and bravery really is. It is a being willing to obey even though it will cost me my life being really willing, willing to serve god even if it will cost me everything jesus sees his disciples freaking out as they see him serving god so he explains his serving to them fully he explains everything as as he understands it this is what he says then he took the 12 aside and began to tell them the things that would happen to him he already knew this stuff behold we are going up to jerusalem And the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. This is what is going to happen, absolutely. No one can stop it, and I am willing to do it, Jesus says, because... I love you guys, and I love my father, and it needs to be done, and I am the hero here. Guys, I'm the hero of the entire universe. All of scripture in the, in the Old Testament has, was written about me. All of the scripture in the New Testament is looking back on me, and your whole life is going to be about me. I am the hero. I am the Messiah. That's what he is saying here. Serving God means you don't worry about being betrayed killed, embarrassed mocked, you don't worry about pain or shame in fact you can count on them but doing God's will is more important to the servant of God than any of these things so it goes on it continues, says then James and John, the son of Zebedee the sons of Zebedee came to him saying teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask so he says to them, What do you want me to do for you? Then he said to him, Excuse me, they said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptized that I am baptized with? And they said to him, We are able. So Jesus said to them, You will. Indeed, drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Now what James and John show us here is that being a servant goes against everything that we think and feel naturally. Okay. obviously they they want a position of glory and honor. Okay. so James and John illustrate for us what it means to misunderstand what being a servant is. I'm not going to give James and John a hard time here because this is the way that I think and feel naturally, too. And this is the way that you think and feel naturally. They illustrate it perfectly, exactly what our flesh thinks and how it works. Uh, I'm going to give you three ways that they do this for us. Number one, they don't know what it means to follow Jesus or serve God. They are shallow and superficial. And that's what our flesh is and how our flesh works all the time. It's getting a little windy here. Sorry. I hope it's not messing up the audio too bad. Uh, but these guys are shallow and superficial. Uh, disciple to them means a position of honor and glory. Um, and to Jesus, being a disciple, being a servant means it's it's a servant's life. It's the life of an ox who just does a job, does what their master commands them to do. So the flesh wants the glory and approval, and an ox just does its job. A servant of God just does its job. The second way that they illustrate the way our flesh works is they have an inflated opinion about their own importance. And You know this, that Christian leaders, any Christian, falls into this all the time. This is the snare that the devil sets to trap us. And he is really good at tricking us into thinking that we are really important. And he works overtime on Christian leaders and Christian pastors uh, to get them to think that it's their... Ability, their just them existing is why God is able to do this or able to do that, or it's because of their gifts that people are being transformed or anything like that. And and the truth is, um, Christian leaders fall for this all the time. Once we let pride into our hearts, uh, we have a very very hard time listening to the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, because. Pride is the food of the flesh, and the flesh is so strong when it has a high opinion of itself. James and John have a very high opinion of themselves. Here they're like, "We are better than all these other guys." They were perhaps even cousins of Jesus, and they're like, "Hey, family, bro time. Let's go. You know, West Side. This is our thing. We are going to be the family, like uh, you know, the family that that does this. You know, that that rules the world, and we're ready, Jesus. We believe in you." That's how the flesh thinks. Number three, they are confused about how God measures greatness. They think God measures greatness by ability or willingness or I'm on your team or I'm, you know, going to do a lot for you when he actually measures it by humility and faith, invisible attributes that, that actually reflect the glory away from myself onto Jesus, This is why we we stress humility and faith in everything that we teach at church. Because it is the way. It is the way that Jesus exemplified, that Jesus showed us, and now uh, it is the way we are supposed to serve God as well. So being a servant is 100% counter or opposite of our own opinion of ourselves. We think we are important. We think that God's kingdom needs us when in fact um, it's about reflecting the glory away from us and humbling ourselves, being, becoming like an ox. You see, self and flesh wants to be served. Self wants to be safe. Self wants to be honored. And serving God abandons all three of those ideas for the opposite. And I want to show you that. Uh, from Philippians chapter 2. We've studied this before, um, but I'm going to re- refresh your, your thinking on this. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ, who being the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So, So Jesus is in this very high state. He doesn't have to be humble. He's God. He can be worshipped. He can be, you know, he should be prideful. But it says this, but he made himself... Of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of uh, men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So, just simply, Jesus shows us what it means to humble ourselves before God and to serve God. He he says he has no reputation, which means he has no thought of self-image. If you're going to serve God, you cannot worry about what people think of you. And uh, maybe you do want the position of of exalted leader that's flesh. Serving God can never be about that. No reputation. Jesus didn't even uh, consider. He took no thought of self-image. Secondly, says he became a bondservant, which means he he had no thought of self-will. He said, I'm a bondservant. I choose to serve God for my life and do his will always and my will never even at the last in the garden of gethsemane he says not my will be done but your will be done no thought of self will he identified with others no thought of self importance what a timely word that is with all the racial tension in our in our world the solution is no thought of self importance no thought of self that he identified with others he became A man you know he took this phrase walk a mile in another man's shoes he took that and he actually put on our skin put on our bodies put on our weakness and he lived an entire 33 years in our condition he was obedient to death it says which means he had no thought of self-preservation that is the ideal the perfect servant is these things no thought of self-will no thought of self image, no thought of self importance, and no thought of self preservation. Well, the other disciples are not very excited to hear that James and John have asked Jesus about this. When the ten heard it, they became greatly displeased with James and John, probably because they didn't think of asking him about this first. But Jesus called them to himself, and he said to them, You know, that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. For whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, But to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus actually doesn't correct their desire to be great. Their desire to be great was not the problem. Um, It was their strategy of how to become great that was the problem. Jesus again explains the way of the kingdom of God. He says, Watch what I'm doing, I am the greatest. And I am serving everybody. Jesus explains that the way to greatness, in God's eyes, the way to be a great servant, is humility and faith, not authority and ability, or authority and self-confidence. Those are not the way that God has designed. Yet, it's crazy to think that when we see churches, and we look at churches all, all the time, we see great structures of authority and great... Um, acts of self-sufficiency. And that is not the way that Jesus says is greatest. William Lane uh, is is a great commentator, and he comments on this verse, and he says, The reversal of all human ideas of greatness and rank was achieved when Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus gives himself as the perfect example of serving God with humility and faith. So we have some application here. If he serves, then we must serve if we're his disciples. If he gives his life and gives everything, then we must give. If he stoops down in humility, then we must stoop down. You want to be a disciple of Jesus? You want to be a follower of Jesus? This is the way. Serve God with your whole heart as a bond servant. How? How are we going to do this? Well, Jesus gave his life for us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve to be loved like that, to be treated like that. Now, we serve God in the same way. We give our lives to serve those around us. We don't make judgments on who is worthy to be saved. Or to be served, excuse me. We serve everyone, no matter how they treat us, no matter how unkind or unloving or unworthy they are. This is the solution to all racism, all poverty, all war. This is the way. Jesus has given us the solution. Be like Him. Serve God like He does. Christian love is the way. Even when we don't deserve it, even when they don't deserve it. See, we were God's enemies. We were trying to kill him. That's the camp we were in before we got saved and Jesus still gave his life for us while we were still sinners. He loved the criminals, so we need to love criminals. He loved the foreigner. I'm a foreigner. I'm a Gentile. And he loved the foreigner, so we need to love all foreigners. He loved the enemy, so we need to love our enemies. He loved them all. He gave and he served everyone. He poured out everything. And if we do the same, then God will reward and honor us just the same way he has rewarded and honored Jesus with um, his approval. Jesus was the perfect servant, the ox, the perfect ox, the Messiah. How can we find the motivation to serve this world? Do we need to come up with programs to serve? Do we need to have plans? Is it politics that we're going to serve the world with? I believe absolutely not. The only way that we can serve God and this world is by setting our eyes on Jesus and learning from Him daily what it means to to have no thought of self and to serve God and think of his kingdom before our own, his kingdom only. This is humility before Jesus. This is faith in Jesus. This is a life lived through Jesus. He is everything for us. So that is our study in Mark chapter 10 today. I encourage you to set your eyes on Jesus when the problems of this world are great and the solutions do not seem very clear set your eyes on Christ follow him turn turn your eyes away from self and towards his sufficiency away from self sufficiency towards him and that is how we serve God in faith father we thank you for your love and grace and kindness to us that when we were still sinners you died for us I thank you that we do not need to brag about how good we are or how much we understand, but we can freely confess that we fail daily, moment by moment. We are still learning to turn our backs on ourselves because our flesh has just grown accustomed to uh, uh, running our lives. Lord, help us to deny our flesh. Help us to confess our sins and our weakness to one another and, and never to brag about what we have done but always to give you the glory and keep our eyes on you. And when all is said and done, we will simply say, I I have not done anything great for your kingdom. I have only done what a simple servant should do, which is the will of his master. You are our master. Forgive us for being disobedient so much of the time. And we want to renew our commitment to you. We want to renew our, our gaze upon you. Help us to see you and hear your voice clearly. Forgive us and and make us soft again. Circumcise the um, heart that is inside us so that we can feel you again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.